Hello, hello, I'm Lindsay Luttrell and this is Table 5. I am actually recording this intro from New York, live from New York. <laughs> it's Table 5. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Okay, I have been here for work all week and just constantly being reminded of how much I love this city. I mean, I am like bebopping around here acting like I live here again and I gotta tell ya, it feels really good. Yeah, it's just been magical. I have a new winter coat who's having a moment here in New York. <laughs> I love walking around everywhere. I'm going to and from the Food Network kitchens, and so it kind of feels like I'm in a little routine, like I do live here. So anyway, it's been great. And now I'm about to head to Friday lunch at the Odeon. And as you may know from listening to this pod, I lived in New York for almost two years and worked at the Odeon as a hostess and then manager. And this podcast is named after my favorite table there. So Friday lunch at the Odeon is a thing. I used to love working Friday lunch. I would always see some of my like favorite regulars would come in for Friday. The energy of people out to lunch on a Friday, in New York City at least, is just the best. I always actually forget like how just like constantly busy the Odeon is until I arrive <laughs> and I'm just like hit with that energy of the dining room and it was honestly that very like energy that made me fall in love with restaurants. I can remember like getting there pre-service and just like the family meal, the sit down and talk about the menu, the like taste the wine if it's new to the wine list. Like I just loved that like restaurant vibe like pre-service you know let's do this and then we'd go into service and it's like there's just that energy that kind of fills the dining room and the hustle and bustle and for me Friday lunch was one of those times that just like it always just felt good no matter how crazy it was it was like people are out to lunch they're ending their week their weekend starting and Anyway, I just loved it. So I figured no better time than now to give my ode to the Odeon. Um, it actually makes me laugh because a friend of mine that I made at the Odeon and we're still friends this day, um, there was a couple of us that would always joke around and be like, hello, Dion, it's the Odeon. And we'd act like we were going to answer the phone that way. And we still greet each other that way all the time now. <laughs> so... I feel like I would be doing a disservice to them if I didn't say, hello, Dion, it's the Odeon. <laughs> um, all right, so the Odeon is a Tribeca landmark. It's on the corner of West Broadway and Thomas Street in Tribeca. And it sits under this like really cool like Art Deco neon sign. In fact, I actually had first envisioned the podcast logo in like neon red lights to imitate the Odeon sign. And it wasn't until the incredible Carly of Moochie Creative blew my mind with the current logo. But I like could not let go of this idea of like, it's named Table 5 after the Odeon. It should have red neon lights. I mean, I'm like a stalker of the Odeon. How embarrassing. But um, anyway, she ended up doing a sketch uh, taken from a photo of me at table five and put it on a napkin and it's the logo you're seeing today. So, um, but she didn't make me any on options. So maybe I'll show that to y'all if I haven't already done that. But 
There are just tons of like famous tales about the Odeon. The SNL cast used to have parties there. It's where the Cosmopolitan was invented and has always had, like since the day the doors opened, a laundry list of like cool guests and regulars. In fact, if you Google the Odeon, Vanity Fair has some really great articles that can, you know, really better explain the culture of the Odeon and they're fascinating reads. So check it out if you are so inclined. The Odeon is like French brasserie meets classic New York. The menu is accessible and consistent, which I feel like is key. The Odeon is where I fell in love with steak tartare, realized what an omelet is supposed to be. I learned like true restaurant etiquette there and became fascinated with wine pairings. I I mean, I made friends that remain friends today at the Odeon and I just, I obviously have very fond memories. Um, some favorites from the menu for me are the French onion soup, the frise salad, obviously the steak tartare, the cheeseburger. I know that sounds dumb. It's like it's a cheeseburger, but it's so good. You cannot go wrong with a steak. And you know what? I'm not just saying this, but I will, I will just say truly, I actually don't think you can go wrong, period. There's something for everyone. It's always delicious. And it's just, they've set the bar high. I'll just say that they have set the bar high with ambiance with the menu, with the vibe, with the bar. And so they're never going to fall short. Like just there's something for everyone. It's just amazing. So there's that. You know what? You're not going to be disappointed. I go back for the nostalgia, if I'm being honest, as much as I do the always delicious dining. I will I will say that. Like I love going back and, you know, seeing the old faces that I used to work with, like the lovely GM Aaron, who still cracks me up more than ever. I love going in and meeting the new faces that I see each time I go. And it's just incredible. I could go on and on for my love of the Odeon, clearly, but I will leave it at this. The Odeon isn't just a must for me because of its nostalgia. There is a reason it has not just survived, but it has thrived since it opened its doors in 1980. So I would urge you to not just take my word for it, but add it to your New York list. And I swear you will not be disappointed. And if you can, go sit at table five, take a picture and send it to me. I mean, I would just love nothing more than to see you at the Odeon. And even better if you got to sit at table five. Our little favorite little cozy round banquette in the corner. Um, All right. Well, I hope you add the Odeon to your list. And now for my next guest, you may know her from Top Chef or most recently as the winner of Food Network's Tournament of Champions 4. She is an incredible chef and an unbelievable competitor. We talk about her journey to becoming a chef, her love of Japan, how she landed her spot on Top Chef and so much more. I loved her from the moment I met her and I just feel certain that you will too. So please enjoy my conversation with Mei Lin. Wait, you're, is that, is this your own personal library? Yeah, it's my house. Holy cow. <laughs> that looks awesome. <laughs> Thank you. How's it going? Good. How are you? Cool. I was just on the phone with Lauren. Oh, nice. How was that? Well, she was texting me a photo of us from 
this like holiday party back um years ago it was like a photo booth holiday party like snap that she just came across yeah and I was just like oh my gosh I'm like have this like wannabe smoldering like sexy face (laughs) I'm like please never send me that again and then we just started talking so I called her I was like I can't be texting I'm about to hop on with May and she was like oh how fun (laughs) oh my gosh she's She's the best anyway I love your library thank you it took forever to get done how many books is that do you know uh, uh like I, oh. I like I don't know is it floor to ceiling yeah it's yeah top to top to bottom holy cow yeah do you have them like cataloged in any certain way you know everybody asked me that and I don't have a good I don't have a good answer because it's it's You're like should I <laughs> it's just like the order it's the way that I know how to find them. And I know a lot of people were like, oh, you should just like color coordinate them. And I'm like, absolutely not. That would be such a clusterfuck. I would not know where any of the books are. So they're kind of, they're um, separated by genre. Oh, well, so you have them cataloged in some way. In some way, but it's not all like that. Yeah. It's just really hard to do when not all the books are like the same. That's such a trend to um, have like all the blue, all the green, all the the rainbow, they say. That's for people who don't read books. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so how many books a year do you read, do you think? Every, so these are all just cookbooks. I have a few like memoirs and stuff like up top because those books are relatively small. So they fit on the top shelf, but all of these are cookbooks. And every time I get a new cookbook, I definitely- I read it top to bottom. So that, that I'm like blown away. Those are all cookbooks. They're all cookbooks. Oh my God. My cookbook collection is put to shame. (laughs) No, I'm serious. These are all cookbooks. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah. You'll have to come over and see it sometime. Yeah. That's hundreds of books. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually was telling Lauren, I'm like, um, We, um, I was like, I'm going to interview May later. And then we're going to come up with our plan on when we're coming to your house. That's cool. Right. Yeah. (laughs) She was like, yeah, she's like, yeah, May's just always inviting people over my house. No, she was like, I love it. It's like a good deal for me. Like May wants to come cook. Sure. Okay. (laughs) It's the best. No, I mean, it's fine. It's, it's easy. It's fun. Like she has a bigger space than I do. So it's, it's a lot easier to entertain at her house than it is at mine. So yeah. I mean, that's I how like, my mind is the same way. And anytime you cook anything in here, whether it's burning or not smoking or not, the fire alarm goes off. Oh, every time Gerardo unhooks it now and he's making a steak. He's like, I'm not dealing with that. You know what I got? I got, um, the Google f- uh, fire detector or smoke detector thing, because then you can that's go into your app. Yeah. You can go into your app and, and turn it off because I have nine foot ceiling. So like, I literally have to get on a step stool to turn it off. So I just got them all replaced with the Google ones. Oh, that's so smart. Yeah. It's so much easier. Oh, I'm totally going to do that. Okay. So I was reading that you were born in China and raised in Detroit. Is that right? That is very true. But you didn't, so you didn't spend time in China. No, I like came over when I was three months old. So no memory. No, not really. (laughs) What made your family move to Detroit? Uh, well, we had a bunch of family in um, in Detroit already. Um, I had an uncle who lit or who worked for Ford Motor Company, so that's 
where you know Ford cars are made um, yeah Dearborn Michigan so uh yeah my family just came here because of that and then we just started bringing everybody over so this is everybody from like my dad's family and then um everybody from my mom's family actually went over to California they went over to Oakland oh cool and so do you have siblings I have a younger brother he is still in Detroit yes um probably a lifer probably staying there for a while and when did you leave Detroit I left when I was 22 years old and I moved to Chicago um from there honestly like it was I always wanted to move out west I wanted to move to California and um basically one of my friends was living in Chicago he um actually was he's from Dearborn and um he knew I was moving out to California. So he was just kind of like, well, why don't you just move to, to Chicago for a little bit and just kind of like fuck around. And I'm like, um, okay, that sounds like fun, right? So I like uh, moved in with him for a little bit. And like after a day, I just got completely bored and had no idea what to do. I just like started going on Craigslist and looked for a job. And oh, I funny. Found- I know I found a a line cook position. I went in for an interview the next day and uh, did the stage. And um, later that night, I uh, got offered the job and I started there. Wait, so had you ever, I think I also read your family had a restaurant. So did you, you always wanted to cook or did you grow up in the restaurant and had an affinity for it or had never thought that would be your plan? Well, that's the funny part is I grew up in the restaurant. I started working with my dad at my aunt's restaurant when I was eight years old and pretty much just started from there on out. I went to work with my dad every single Saturday up until I was 13. And then my parents actually opened up their own restaurant. And, um, you know, I was always pretty well-versed in the kitchen, um, just helping out here and there. Um, but it really wasn't until later on in life that I really decided on, really taking this career more seriously. Um, my mom or my parents rather, they just didn't want me to be in this business just because it's kind of like a, you know, it's just very blue collar and, you know, you don't make any money doing it. And obviously they came over to this country to, to provide for us and to, to give us a better life. So they didn't want us to really, you know, go into you know this manual labor type of job they wanted us to be a little bit more successful and become a lawyer or a doctor you know things like that right um so basically it wasn't it wasn't until like my second year of college um my boyfriend at the time was like hey maybe you should do like culinary school. Maybe you should just, you know, do that. Cause I really had no idea what I wanted to do. And I was doing pre-nursing at the time. Or that's oh, I- really? Yeah. And I honestly thought about it. And like the thought of like having to draw blood or anything like that really just gave me the creeps and I knew I couldn't do it. And so I just kind of had like a, a, a minor crisis and um, he uh, suggested I go to culinary school and I dropped out in the next few days and enrolled in culinary school. Was this before or after you worked for Marcus in uh, Chicago? This was before. So I was still in Detroit at this time. Yeah. Wow. And so what, I mean, I'm kind of skipping ahead, but like, what do your parents think now of this career? I mean, you've obviously been 
wildly successful in it. So like, are they just like, oh, good. Well, at least she's successful. Or are they like, it could have been a nurse. <laughs> I think more so now they're like, okay with it, but it wasn't up until, um, I went on top chef that they really understood what I did because I think in their minds, I was just working at another like Chinese restaurant, you right. know, like a restaurant. So it wasn't necessarily like glitz and glamour. I mean, nor like just working at a restaurant isn't really glamorous period. Um, but I, I think that they just didn't have like, you know, they, they just didn't know what, what I was doing. Yeah what kind of restaurant I was working in. So once I saw, you know, the stuff that I was doing or the food that I was cooking on, on the show, then they fully understood like what I was going, you know, what I was doing and, and what my path was. So, yeah. And when you went to culinary school, were you, did it all click? Were you like, Oh, this was the right move. Or were you still just kind of like, I guess we'll see where this goes. I was kind of like, I, I guess we'll, I guess I'll see where this goes because I know, um, for me, I, I always love to entertain. I love having people over. I love cooking for people. I love that whole aspect of the industry, just, you know, the hospitality point of it. Right. So I knew I always wanted to end up in food, but I didn't necessarily know that I wanted to be a chef per se. Um, but yeah, it, it's really weird how everything kind of fell into into place. Yeah. It's so funny because I never wanted to be in restaurants either. And I, I've never even been a server, but I was a hostess in high school. And then when I lived in New York, I worked at the Odeon in Tribeca and then ended up like being asked to be a manager. And I'm like, what? I don't know what I'm doing here, but okay. Um, and I loved it. My ego, I was just having this conversation today with David Lewis, actually. I'm like, my ego, like, and my pride over, like, what I was supposed to be doing with my life, like, totally got in the way of me enjoying the experience of the Odeon, because it's, like, this iconic landmark in Tribeca. They have these fun Vanity Fair parties, and the the staff was always so, like, great and fun and, like, cool people that I probably would have never met. And I just like loved it so much, but also was like, I'm supposed to be in LA working in TV and I couldn't like let myself enjoy it, but it's like such a pivotal part of my life that I talk about all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really such an interesting, it just profession, you know? And yeah, and of course, like the Odeon is like an institution. So like what a place, what an amazing place to get started. Uh, it was insane. Like I, I really, I'm always like, I mean, table five is after a table in the Odeon, like the name of this podcast, it's my oh favorite my table God. at the Odeon. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Like it had such an impact. And at the time I just couldn't let myself be like, okay with being 26 or however old 26 and like working in a restaurant in my mind, I was like, that's not what I'm just be doing. And now I'm always like, we'll go to a restaurant. I'm like, oh, which just was my restaurant. And I was walking around and touching tables right now. It's like, <laughs> what? I think I think um, like 24 to 28 were probably like my favorite years working in a restaurant. That's just like such a, an amazing time to be like in the profession. I feel like totally. I it's just cause like, you're just having fun. Right. And I feel like I was always one of like the younger cooks in the kitchen, but now I feel like, obviously I'm just like old, <laughs> but you're so old. I know, but it's so funny because like even when I had my restaurant, like I had kids like who were like 19 and I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah. oh my 
God, I feel so old. Yeah. Did you feel like more inclined to hire people who are younger because you had, you were working kitchens at it, that age, or were you just like, it just happened to be that? No, it just happened. It, it just happened to be that way. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think the hiring process is really just, I, I go by personality and totally. whoever is like the most hungry is the right person to hire. You right. know, they're eager to learn and, you know, their eyes are wide open and, and they want to absorb as much as possible. So I think like those, those cooks out there are, are the ones to like look for. Yeah. So how long were you in Chicago at Marcus Samuelson's place? I was honestly not there for long because it was just kind of like a transitional period um, before I moved out West, but I worked there for about five or six months. Yeah. But they always, I, I always... I, I let them know prior and I'm like, I don't plan on being here for this long. This is just kind of like, you know, my way to move over to just make some extra money and, and to move out West. Was that your first restaurant job outside of like your families and after culinary school? Actually, my first professional job in a restaurant was um, Michael Simon's restaurant in Detroit. Oh yeah. Roast. Yeah. So I opened up roast and um Prior to that, I was actually doing some, uh, I was actually a cook at the Detroit Lions training facility. So I fed all the the players of the Detroit Lions. So that what, was, how old are you when you had that job? I was, I think I was 20, 21, 20, 2021. Yeah. What a cool experience. Were you a fan? Like, are you a sports fan at all? Like, no. No, I mean, I think the only sports that I, the only sport that I really watch is hockey. Um, so I'm like a, a huge Detroit or a Detroit uh, Red Wings fan, but the Lions um, at that time, the Lions weren't that good, uh, but we had Matthew Stafford. So like, that was like our, totally our player, you know, not that I know that much about football at all, but I remember that. That's so fun. Like what an experience though. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. I mean, just the amount of food that we had to cook, um, the amount of dietaries oh, we I had bet. to adhere to, that was, I mean, that was a really fun first job, I would say. So you eventually decided to move to California. Where'd you go, LA? Um, I actually moved to San Diego. Um, I didn't really know much of the scene in um the what on the west coast i guess i didn't i didn't know that i really wanted to move to la until later on um i wanted to move to san diego um just because of you know glitzy beaches and yeah. things like that um obviously i've never seen a beach before so it was kind of like a it's kind of like a sh a sh you know just sh shell shock i guess <laughs> never like, seen a beach before yeah i've never seen a beach before i'm like i mean i'm from michigan it's not necessarily we're not necessarily landlocked by any means but I mean, you have like the Great Lakes, but it's not like we were that close to them. So it's not like we went all the time, but yeah, um, having, you know, I actually moved to La Jolla um, and that's dreamy. It's very dreaming. And I know everybody's like, oh my God, you moved to La Jolla. That's, that must've been so expensive, but I literally lived in a studio shack. It was like a shack, like a literal shack. It was probably like eight apartments in this in this little 
it was like a hut. I, I'm not even joking you. It was like a studio apartment. There was oh no kitchen. God. It was tiny. It was, I, I believe it was like 400 square feet. It was so tiny. It just had a bathroom. It had like, obviously your living space. And that was it. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it was insane. And obviously like moving from Michigan or Chicago to California, I was just kind of like, oh my God, like I have to pay rent. Like how much is this rent? Rent was like $675, which is like, honestly cheap. Like now that you think about it, you're like, oh my God, that was so cheap. But back then it was really expensive for like, well, this it's expensive. And you're also like, what am I paying almost $700 for? This is a shack. I know it was honestly crazy, but yeah. I mean, it was good. I, I mean, I had fun. We, I live literally not even a block away from the beach. Oh, that's amazing. It was, it was really, really fantastic. So like after work, before work, I would walk down to the beach and kind of just chill and, and listen to the waves crash. It was really, really dope. Oh, that's amazing. My first apartment here was in Toluca Lake and cost $775. I was so far from the beach and I was paying what I thought was so much money. I'm like, I'm never going to make it here. <laughs> and now I'm like, I would move back there in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, you're on the West side now, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's so funny. So then when you were in La Jolla, San Diego, were you just like, Oh yeah, I'm a West coaster. Like, did you feel like you fit in right away? Did you love California? Or were you like, here we go. Let's see how long this lasts. I mean, honestly, I had no idea what I was in for. Um, I always knew that California was expensive, but honestly, just being in it, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get like two jobs. Yeah. So I literally did just that. I, when I was in high school, I actually worked at Best Buy. So I worked retail. Um, of all the retail, that's so funny. You're like, all, I'm going to get a job at yeah. Best Buy. I don't know. Cause I had a bunch of friends who worked there. So like they kind of got me in and I mean, it was a, it was a really high paying job at the time. I was making like $12 an hour. Oh yeah. That's good. I mean, back in 2000, what? 2000, um, six no 2004 sorry 2004 oh yeah so yeah I mean for that time it was a really great paying job and um yeah when I obviously I didn't work there for a while but like leaving Michigan and moving to California I was like okay I'll just get a retail job during the day and then work at a restaurant at nighttime and I just did you know I did that so I mean that was like the probably the best way to do it yeah. So did you have a, did you work at Best Buy in California or just got another retail I, job? I did. <laughs> I did. I worked at Best Buy during the day. So I worked like a nine to three and then I would drive and, um, I literally drive down like maybe a few miles and go to my restaurant job at the, in the evening from, from like four 30 or five till close. And that was like five um, days. Yeah. When did you eventually move to LA and why? I actually, right after San Diego, I moved to Vegas and then I moved to LA after Vegas. Oh, because in Vegas, you're work working with uh, at Spago, right? I was working at Spago in Vegas. So I worked in Vegas for two years. I lived in San Diego for a year. What was yeah. it like working for Wolfgang? Honestly, it was a lot of fun. Um, obviously, I lived in Vegas and I know like when people, when people hear that, they're like, oh my God, you lived in Vegas? Like, what was that like? 
Um, for me, I would say it's, um, it was not that glamorous for me just because like, I didn't really party or do any of that. Um, I literally just went to work and went home and then, you know, luckily my chef at the time, like he would just schedule all of us like four 10 hour shifts, which was fantastic. So then everybody had three days off. So those three days off, I would always go and drive back to San Diego or drive to LA, like oh, just cool. like, weekend trips, you know what I mean? So yeah. it was honestly a lot of, uh, it was a lot of fun except for in the summertime when it was like, like 110 degrees. I, I was going to say like 900 degrees. Yeah. It's like stepping outside into an oven. It's disgusting. I like I can appreciate Vegas for what it is. I'm not a gambler, so I don't really have that interest. And I think my like club pool days like that are over, like those mm's, mm's pool, <laughs> like rooftop pools. Yeah. But like the last time I was in Vegas was for a friend's bachelorette party. I'm talking a million years ago at this <laughs> point, maybe 12. I'm like, Elizabeth, how long have you been married? Um, and we went and I had like a full panic attack on the third day. I was like, I have to get out of here. Like, I just don't, I don't know. It was like the high tall buildings I was in the amount of alcohol I was drinking just like just oxygen in the buildings too you know yes what I mean? my mom was I remember like having a panic attack and my mom's like this happens when you have big weekends you get really anxious so just get to the airport and my best friend still talks about it she's like I'll never forget your Vegas panic attack and your mom like talking you off a ledge and I'm like I know and I was like what 28 30 like how embarrassing but I was like oh. I was like I don't know like get me out of here Honestly, Vegas is super intense. It is. It's intense. Um, and like out of my two years of living there, I don't, I I think I probably went to a club three times. Yeah. I, I feel like only, that's what I would be like. And that was only when friends came into town. You right. know what I mean? It was, that was a place where I went to work, you know, I went to the work on the strip and then came home. Like that was it. Like I would stay away from the strip at all costs. It yeah. It was just like a. It was madhouse, you know, right easy there. And like, how cool to be, I mean, to me, like Spago is just like, so iconic. I mean, to most people, to me, <laughs> like I have like my finger on the pulse or something. <laughs> I'm like, ever heard of it? Spago. Um, <laughs> but I remember the first time I came, my parents took me to LA that took us to Spago and we saw Steve Martin and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And I just remember being like, I love LA. <laughs> this is so cool you know like I was like in high school and thought all my dreams are about to come true and Spago is just like so classic I just feel like it's what a cool experience to have been like to be able to work there and like for him it's like huge yeah honestly it was probably one of the best experiences I've ever had I mean he's just I mean he's iconic iconic he's, like, he's literally iconic and you know just to you know, and I worked under um, Eric Klein, which is, you know, he's he's one of my mentors and he was a chef in 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 Vegas. And now he's here in L.A. and he's running the um, the catering, the Wolfgang Puck catering. So, oh, like, cool. I mean, it, it's you know, you have people like that who have worked for Wolf for over 20 years like that really that really says a lot to to who he is as a chef, you know, like. I respect him so much and like he honestly he still he works every single day like he's just yeah. grinds like he's up at like six in the morning he's at Santa Monica Farmer's Market like he it's insane like he's he's there like he's working like he's traveling to all of his restaurants like it's 
pretty insane. Like it's, it's really inspiring for sure. That's so cool. It is cool. I I go to the Santa Monica, Santa Monica farmer's market and the chefs that I see there, mm-hmm. I would never speak to them in that moment, you know, but I'm just like, Oh, it's so cool to see you here. Like doing like Walter Mansky was there last week, you know, like Chris Bianca is always there. Like, I'm always just like, Oh, that's so cool. I would love to see Wolfgang. <laughs> like, just to see him like, you know, you gotta get there little, early. yeah. Toting his little like bag and getting his stuff would be so no, seriously though, you got to get there early. He's he's there pretty early, and he gets the stuff and gets out. Like the early bird gets the worm, you know. Like unless you're doing like some pre-ordering of like ingredients, you really need to get in there early and like see what's great and and grab it before everybody else does. I'm gonna go and slip Table Five's business card in his little bag. <laughs> Amazing! Oh my god, do you ever work with him still? Like, do any of his events? Uh, I did. I, I actually, I did, um, the Super Bowl last year here in LA, um, um, the whole, the whole crew, but yeah, I do. I actually do a lot of events with him because my, uh, my fiance actually works for him in DC. He's the executive chef at, at cut. So we actually just did a lunar new year dinner, um, in DC. So that was fun. Wait, he lives in DC. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> are you gonna have to move there I'm not moving there he's gonna have to move here <laughs> I love it okay so I mean again I'm gonna go back to you being a chef but so you just got engaged yes I did I did oh my god so did you meet him through like Wolfgang stuff I met him working at Spago actually yeah he he was working there at the time as well but we didn't start dating until much later yeah, yeah. how long have y'all been together um 10 years oh my gosh how exciting long time yeah okay so when did you move to LA and where did you start working so I moved to LA in September of 2011 and I started working for Michael Voltaggio um I obviously I I I knew of Michael from Top Chef and I was really interested in what he was doing. And I saw on Twitter, because Twitter back then was really, really cool. Right. That um, he was opening up Inc. and that he was still hiring. And at that time, I was actually traveling in Europe. So I was like, oh, my God, I'm totally going to miss this chance because I'm in Europe and I'm not in the States to apply because um, they wanted, you know, people to come in and, you know interview and and do the whole thing so I thought I'd miss my chance and um it wasn't until I got back from this I got back from Europe and I saw that they were hiring again they were doing another hiring um round so I submitted my resume and they I got a call and I drove to LA and and interviewed and I got hired on the spot and decided to move like two weeks later so you knew who Michael Voltaggio was Like you were excited to like have an opportunity to work with him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I thought, I mean, he was doing a lot of really crazy, cool techniques and I really wanted to learn more about that. Um, so I really decided to, to kind of just move to LA and, and do the thing. And I didn't even know anybody in LA. So that was like, that's probably like the hardest part. (laughs) I mean, I did the same thing with moving to, um, to Vegas as well. I didn't know anybody there. 
And um, now the the same thing with LA, just moving there with not with, without knowing a single soul. So right, I think oh, we should have Wolfgang cater your wedding. I don't think we can afford it. It all makes sense, Wolfgang. Do us a solid. <laughs> <laughs> um, we I love that. I mean, I loved Ink, and I'm obviously a fan of Michael Voltaggio's friend of the pod over here. Um, <laughs> I just feel like it'd be so cool if I were a chef, I can imagine that'd be a cool experience, like working for him and seeing how he does all. Cause when I watch him cook, I'm like, what are you doing? How did your brain even just think to do that? I know. I know. And like when I, the first day I started there, obviously um, we were, you know, shadowing like the sous chefs and, and kind of seeing all the dishes that were coming out. And I, I specifically remember this kale salad and I know you're probably thinking like kale salad, like what the fuck. Right. And it was this kale salad with burrata, like burrata spheres. And it had like squash preserves and a pumpkin seed, uh, praline on the bottom. And I was just like, what, like, how does any of this stuff make sense? But then you ate it and you're like, what the fuck? Like I love that. So good. And like, and that's kind of how every single dish was. And I was just like, holy shit, like this restaurant is really fucking awesome. Like, this is we're really we're doing really, really cool food here. And like at that time, obviously in 2011, like it was one of the most anticipated restaurant openings um in a really, really long time in LA. So, you know, I felt really really honored to like be a part of the opening crew and we right. have amazing opening crew too like all the cooks all the chefs um that came out of there I mean we're all doing cool things that I, I would say and um yeah I mean it was just really awesome to be a part of that that team is there anything that you like learned from Michael that like you has like I'm sure there's tons but, like is there anything like sticks with you where you're like this is like so Voltaggio I think it's the the one thing for sure is, is the, is just 90 degrees. Do you know about 90 degrees? No. It's just, um, keeping everything in line, straight, organized, um, towels folded, everything like the whole, the whole nine, like just making your, making sure you are organized because if you're not organized, then you won't be successful. Interesting. So meticulous. It's very meticulous, like just having everything like 90 degree an- angle, like right. everything placed where they're supposed to be. Like that's, that's really what it stems from. How cool. So how long are you there at Inc? Um, I worked there for about four years, four years. Wow. Yeah. And you've worked for Brian, his brother too, right? I worked for Brian for a short amount of time, but and that was a really, really fun experience too. Cause I, um, when I had left, well, cause I had left ink to do top chef and, um, during my like hiatus from finishing in Boston, um, I came back to LA and I, you know, we, we chatted and he was like, we, you should go work for, for Brian for a little bit. So then I just kind of packed up a bag and and moved to Frederick, Maryland and worked at Volt for for a short time and until I went back and and finished the show and and did the finale. So cool. it was uh, it was really really fun. Really really fun. 
did Michael encourage you to do Top Chef? Um, he did in a sense. Um, I, I actually, I don't know. It, it, it was, it was a really funny story because I never really wanted to, I was never really interested in, in doing food competitions and my very first food competition, Michael signed me up for. And without you knowing with, without me knowing. And it was, uh, it was a show called knife fight. Do you remember that show? Yes. Yeah. So Michael was away on a work trip and he literally calls me. He's like, Hey, are you, what are you, what are you doing tomorrow? And I'm like, um, I don't know. I'm off tomorrow. He was like, okay, great. You're, you're doing knife fight tomorrow. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? I'm like, what, what do you mean? He was like, yeah, you're doing knife, you're doing knife fight tomorrow. And I was like, I've never even seen that show. Like, what is that? And he was like, just watch the show and you're competing tomorrow. Like, that's it. Like done. And I was just like, I think I almost like pissed my pants. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to make an ass of myself on national television. I've never competed before. And I'm like, what do I even do? Like, I don't even know the premise of the show. I'm like, I was just super nervous. Like, I didn't yeah, even... I mean, I can only imagine. Yeah. So that's, that's how the food television thing started. Um, but then I kind of got connected with, um, I actually first got connected with Jana and Jana had reached out to me about Cutthroat Kitchen and I just kind of went in for an interview, um, not really knowing what to expect. And after talking to me for a little bit, she was like, this show is not for you. Like, and then she kind of threw me off to Lauren and then Lauren casted me on Top Chef. And yeah. That's pretty much like the short story. Yeah. And so for people listening, Jana and Lauren are people I met in casting so many years ago when we both, we were all three doing casting. And then Jana and I have a funny, we had to go on this work trip together that was crazy and act like we were twins. Um, but now they're married and manage, would you say manage or agent or what? Both. Yeah. Both. They're your manager agent. Yeah. Um, that's so funny. How crazy. I remember, I guess either you or Lauren, one of y'all told me that story that it was like interviewed like, oh no, no, you need to be, you need to go on top chef. Never mind. Yeah. That's but so the, cool. But then the funniest part about because you know, I, I'm I'm do you know the interview process on Top Chef? No, I mean I know casting interview process for other food shows, but I don't know what Top Chef does. So like the Top Chef like interview process was very strenuous. And I think that's that's a part of like the whole, the whole thing, right. To see how much you can withstand, you know, because it's, it's interview after interview after interview. And I just remember like getting emails from Lauren saying like, oh, you know, you're 90% in, you know, but we'll see. And, and I didn't really find out until I was, um, that I was going on the show until two, no, no, a week before. Yeah. The interview where you're in a room with like a bunch of like the Bravo execs. I totally bombed that interview. Well, obviously you didn't. Why do you think you bombed? No, I totally bombed. Like I was told I bombed. Um, oh, because I was thinking I was just going into an interview room with like maybe like five people, but it was a giant long table with maybe like 15 people at it. So I literally didn't know what to say. I was just kind of like, 
I was just like in shock because I didn't know what to do. What Were they to- all like firing off questions? Like it's all Bravo people or was it? Yeah, it was, it was all Bravo people, but yeah, they're all asking me questions and, um, you know, why do you want, you know, all the generic questions, like, why do you want to be on the show? Things like that. But I didn't expect that many people to be in there. So it really kind of just like triggered, you know, just like, Oh, I, you know, I just kind of freaked out. Yeah. So, you know, I left and, you know, I didn't hear anything for a few, for a few days. And then, um, the VP of Bravo came in to ink to eat. And uh, Michael was Did you like, know that was happening? No, I didn't know. And Michael was like, hey, do you know who that is? And I was like, no. And he was like, that's the VP. You need to cook for her, blah, blah, blah. Cooked for her. Then we had a chat outside and she basically was like, you totally bombed that interview. I'm like, yeah, I, I know I did. I know I did. I'm like, I did not know that I was walking into a room with like 15 people. I thought it was just going to be five people. And, um, yeah, that, so she was like, yeah, I mean, we think you're really great. Like, we'd love to have you on the show, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So they're like, you bombed the interview, but you just killed this dinner. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. So what was that experience like for you? Obviously you won. I mean, it was such a fantastic experience, honestly. Um, obviously I didn't really know what to expect and, um, you know, the advice, obviously I got advice from, from Michael and he was just like, you know, just do what, you know, don't be overzealous and, and, and do something so over the top that you can't accomplish. Just do what, you know, and, and do it well. And I think that's probably one of the best, um, some of the best advice I've ever gotten for competing and, yeah. you know, it gotten this far with it. So, right. And have you ever actually had to compete against Michael Voltaggio? No. Voltaggio, I just said Voltaggio. <laughs> no, I haven't. Never. I, I actually thought this season of TOC I was going to be able to. I know. Truly. I, mean, I was like, I was excited because, uh, you know, I, I we had done an event uh, prior to uh, coming to TOC and I was like, oh, so maybe. And he was like, Mm, I'm opening up three restaurants. I'm like, oh God. Okay. Since this will be playing after like (laughs) what? So tournament of champions, we, you were on this season. I'm obviously one of the producers. Um, what was that experience like for you? Cause you hadn't competed in a while, right? Uh, actually I've competed in, in iron chef the year prior. Oh, right. right. Year since, um, I really competed, but it, it's been a long time even since um competing on on iron chef like that there was like a pretty big gap there honestly it was such a great experience um i know i remember watching the show in its first season and just the concept alone was just so mind-blowing to me i was like i definitely want to do this i would totally do this this is amazing like the fact that you don't really know what you get to cook until literally minutes before you actually do the thing but then also it's a blind judging so you have no biases whatsoever you're literally just judging the food on its criteria I mean that's that's an amazing show right there yeah well thank you no I'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) no seriously like I love it the concept is amazing and I'm surprised that nobody has done it um before this 
Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, as someone who's there kind of like behind the scenes, getting to help make it and watch it, I'm always blown away by the talent and that y'all can do that. Like that thing, the randomizer spins and then you could, there you go. It's like, I'm like, how are they going to do that? And then it's not just that you do it. It's like incredible food, which is just mind blowing to me every time. But it's, it's crazy because like, it's such a, it's such a beast. Like, and I'm not going to talk shit on Randa because she's been really nice to me. Um, but Randa is the randomizer for everyone listening who has not seen tournament of champions. (laughs) Um, it it's, she's hard. She's tough. I'm like, I just made sure to, to be nice to her every single time. Honestly, (laughs) I'm like, please be nice to me. What was it like? I feel like you're obviously great at competition. So you go in, you win uh, top chef. You just won the fourth season of tournament of champions. And that is intense competition. I mean, those chefs that you're going up against are you know, you're all at the top of your game. So you're never, it's never like, oh, this is going to be a landslide. So what does it feel like to like win that? Like, I just feel like it's like the, you know, it's like a actor getting an Oscar or something to me. Like you've like reached the, I don't know. I mean, does it feel that exciting and that big? No, one, 1000%. Like it feels so amazing because it's, you're competing with some of the best chefs in, in the country and the, the the really cool thing about the competition um that is unlike other competitions is that you're you have to win otherwise you're out you know you literally have to win every single time so there's really nowhere to hide it's either you do well or you don't and i love that i love that part of it because and you don't know who you're going to go up against right you don't know what you're going to cook so just that alone is kind of like, it sends my eyes in spirals, honestly. It's just every single time getting up to the stage, I was just like, just nervous. I'm like, what am I going to get? Like, but you can't overthink it because once you start thinking, like for me at least, like once you start thinking about it, you'll just start obsessing and you'll you'll have an idea in your head and you're just going to be stuck on that idea. So right. I always tried to come in with a clear mind um, until I saw what the, the randomizer gave us. Right. So people always ask me, they're always like, so how much time do they have in between like seeing the challenge on any show? Like whether it's like guys grocery games where he tells them what they're going to make. And then, you know, tournament of champions, the wheel spins, but they're always like, how much time do they really have? I'm like, literally no, no, no. a minute. Like literally we repo cameras and we like do something with light. It's not like we give them time, like maybe two minutes tops. Yeah. From like seeing what they like, the request is here and then they have to like go do it. And people are always like, wait, what? So like, are you, for me, that is so anxiety producing, obviously. And <laughs> I feel like there's two kinds of people who are like buckle under pressure and rise to the occasion. Like you got to be super spontaneous. I feel like to want to be in an environment like that, like, would you call yourself spontaneous? Like in your life, like what makes you like that thrill? I mean, I, I definitely think that I'm pretty spontaneous in life, but I think it's all about the adrenaline rush. I think we're like, as chefs, we're just like a bunch of adrenaline junkies, you know, like we love the thrill of it. We love the way it makes you feel while you're competing. Um, It's just, it's a feeling that I can't really describe. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're, it's like, you're getting high. Not that I know, but (laughs) 
It's like you're getting high, I think, because I've never gotten high. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, but seriously, like it's it's pretty it's a pretty amazing feeling. Yeah. Oh my God, that's crazy. And so winning, like when the, when your name appeared on the screen, what went through your brain? Literally just holy shit. I mean, I I mean that last challenge was so oof that was tough it was so tough just being in the moment is um is really gut-wrenching yeah nerve-wracking yeah crazy so I feel like in your career as a chef you've been awarded and recognized and have so many accolades like your restaurant got so much critical acclaim, so, so many awards and feedback you've now, you know, you've won these big competition shows. What does it feel like to see all these, like to see these awards come together or like to see people liking something you're making, you're putting out? I mean, it, it feels really great. I mean, you know, to be completely honest, um, you know, it's really, it's always great to be recognized for what you do. Um, and, you know, we're kind of in the industry where, you know, there's really not that much light being shed on the industry, right? It, right. I mean, opening a restaurant is is hard enough. So just being recognized and, and just having people come through the doors is your number one goal. You want to be busy. You want to, um, you know, break even at least um, and kind of recoup all, all your costs. And, you know, that's, that's really the goal. And like, and, you know, I'm very blessed and thank and and thankful to you know be able to have these types of experiences on on being on these competitions to really showcase what I can do so I can get people in the doors right that's kind of how a lot of us a lot of us chefs see it um and I think that's it's a really it's a great platform for us to to be on um to really yeah showcase what we can do yeah what made you like what was it like transitioning from like your you know you'd had like such a fine dining background and fine dining place and then to go into this like fast casual like what made you want to do that transition and what was that was that like an action I mean obviously it was a decision you made but what made that decision for you I actually wanted to open up a fast casual before I opened up a fine dining restaurant um and that's honestly not a lot of not a lot of people think that way but I think more and more a lot of people a lot of chefs are are opening up fast casual restaurants because it's it's if you think about it it's a lot more accessible for mm-hmm. people to try your food um and for it not to really break break the bank um so i i think that's really it um i'm sure there's more to it but i think it's really just accessibility yeah what um has been the most exciting thing about having Daybird? The most exciting thing, um, honestly, just being able to to make such a Instagrammable sandwich. <laughs> I don't know. No, um, that's so true. I mean, you're all it's like all over Instagram. It's kind of crazy because that's not how it's it's funny how that kind of thing happens because that's not what you intended, right? Like my intention for that sandwich was for your hands not to get dirty. Um, When I eat a sandwich or when I eat a burger, I literally don't like to get my hands dirty. That's like my number one pet peeve. I hate greasy fingers. 
So when making the sandwich, I made sure to have it wrapped in paper in, uh, in like the, the grease proof paper yeah. to a sleeve. So you can, you can eat it super portable. It's super portable and you can eat it right without getting your hands dirty. Um, so really that was like my number one goal in assembling this thing and having the chicken stick out of the bun wasn't really my intention at all. And it just kind of happened that way. But, you know, I was always a huge fan of um, hot star chicken, which is like a Taiwanese style fried chicken. It, they literally just serve like a giant piece of fried chicken, like in a sleeve and you just eat it. Yeah. And that was actually my inspiration for the sandwich um, in terms of sizing. And I was like, oh my God, how am I going to put this? Like, how am I going to wrap this? How am I going to, you know? And then that's kind of how the sandwich came about. Yeah. Yeah. Tell people just for anyone listening and also who's not in LA, what is Daybird? Yeah. Daybird is, uh, my fast, casual, hot chicken, Szechuan style hot chicken sandwich. Uh, we serve sandwiches, tenders, fries, and array of different sauces and sides, uh, along with, um, our house-made Hong Kong milk tea and, um, a daily, lemonade yum yeah so it's it's literally your your fast casual restaurant it's so delicious for the sandwich and everybody comes for the sandwich yeah it's so delicious so so good do you have like goals dreams plans like ideas of like what's next like what you want to do I mean, I definitely want to expand uh, Daybird, the concept. I think it's um, it can do really well in a lot of different markets because it is, it's very, like, who doesn't love a chicken sandwich? I think it can be applied in, in any market and it would, it would do well. And I think that's really the goal for, um, for the brand. Um, I think it's pretty well known in LA, but um, we'll have to test out some, some different markets to see how it does, but um, that's definitely the goal to kind of blow up Daybird. Would you ever want to live anywhere outside of LA? Um, honestly, I, I do. I want, I want to live in the Pacific Northwest. I really enjoy um the weather out there, and I know everybody's like gloom doom. Like you like it? Yeah. And quite honestly, like I, I I really do. I really love I love the rain. I love just overcast weather. Um. But also just, I feel like the air is just a lot cleaner. It's so funny because my boyfriend is literally leaving tonight to go to Mexico and <laughs> saw on the weather that it was me raining in LA all next week. And he's like, oh, I can't believe it. I'm gonna be missing the rain. He's like, it always rains when I leave. I'm like, dude, dude you're the same way. going to Acapulco and then to Mexico City. And you're, you're complaining to me that you're missing rainy Los Angeles. Like I cannot... <laughs> Well, it's because we never get to experience that here. It's literally always sunny. And I know that sounds so bad. Like I'm complaining about it always being sunny here, but when it's sunny, the majority uh, of the time you get so sick of it. So you just change. And obviously we're in a drought. So having rain is, is not a bad thing. Yeah. So do you go back? Like, do you still have family in China? Do you go to China? I uh, visit Hong Kong a lot. Um, I haven't been back since 2009, no, 2018 actually was my, my last time there. And um, I, yeah, I need to make a trip back. Like it's, 
it's definitely on my list. Yeah, cool. And I saw you recently were in Japan and that trip looked incredible. I, well, my fiance and I love Japan. So every time we get to go, it's literally like, just do everything like insane possible. I mean, reservations are super hard to get there. So like when you do land something that you really want to go to, like that's just, it's awesome. And shopping there is amazing. Yeah. There is amazing. Like there's not one bad thing about Japan. And we, we decide to stay at this really amazing Ryokan, um, which is a, it's kind of like a, it's, it's a hotel, but you like stay in the hotel and it's like a bed and breakfast type of situation. And it's oh, I love that. Really, really awesome. And the scenery is always really dope. Um, so whenever you're in Japan, you definitely need to stay at one. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm going to call you and I, cause that's like my next, like, that's about my next trip to be. I was planning a trip to Tokyo right when I was supposed to go the January of the pandemic. Um, so I, I have never like picked that back up to start planning it again, but I'm dying to go. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've never been to an Asian country at all. And I'm just like, I think that I want like all your tips and recs. Cause your trip, I was just like following along. Like <laughs> I will give you all the recs. Um, it's as my first time going to Japan was really, I wouldn't say it was awful, but I was just very, I didn't do enough research mm-hmm. that kind of bit my, that bit me in my own ass. Um, yeah. but I went the first week of May, which was their holiday. So it was golden week and that's when most of the citizens take their vacations. So basically half of the city was gone which was nice in that in that sense but then there were all the restaurants that I wanted to go to weren't open right like everything was closed yeah so it was really it was kind of frustrating for me and I was like ugh, no wonder why the tickets were so cheap to come here (laughs) during this time you're like what a steal and then you're like oh that's why that's why (laughs) but regardless we had a lot of fun um and yeah it's always an adventure yeah something to do there's I mean, it's just amazing. You can, you should get your international driver's license and you can just go to AAA yeah. and apply for it. Um, I think it's like 40 bucks or something like that. And then you can go and do like the, the Mario Kart. You can drive the Mario Kart thing and you can like dress up in the characters and stuff. It's really, really cool. And you're oh. literally driving throughout Japan like you're driving throughout Tokyo in like oh you can actually drive it throughout to- you're not like at a place like going around a lap no 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 you're you're driving in the city in a Mario Kart in a Mario Kart it's fucking it's so much fun it's so that cool. is like childhood dreams come true yeah it's pretty dope you can yeah you can look it up it's really really cool oh that's incredible <laughs> and of course there's like a Disney World there or Disney yeah Disney World there and um yeah there's just so much to do oh my gosh yeah I mean it's top of my list I'm just dying to go yeah I definitely suggest taking at least a good three days and staying at a Rio con and just like sitting in a sitting in like the hot springs so it's like one of those places you go like knowing you're not really gonna leave you're kind of there to like enjoy that experience not like to be like in and out all day doing touristy stuff 
Yeah. I mean, obviously you can leave because some of, some of them have, are in little towns. So there's like different places you can go to, but it's not, it's not so big. Yeah. Um, but also you're kind of, a lot of those, the Rio cons are in like the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So it's really a place for you to just stay there and just be Zen. Love that. How many times have you been to Japan? Been five times. I'm actually going back at the end of March. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> That's incredible. What is wrong with you? Like, why do you love Japan? So I'm like, I just love Japan. It's just so much fun. Any chance I get to yeah. go, I'll totally take it. So that was smart of him to propose to you there. Yeah. 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 For sure. Like, as a chef, how are you traveling and prioritizing food? Um, I'll get like the crazy reservations out of the way, the places that we really want to go to and the places that we're going to kind of drop a lot of money at first. And we'll just do like one or two of those. And then the rest of it is just like casual. Yeah. Um, it's really just like getting, I mean, certain places are easier than, than most places, but I think like Japan, there's obviously there's, there's so much going on. There's something happening all the time and you can literally hit up street food like you totally. can eat tons of tons of street food and it's amazing um I I, I, I don't know I, I mean all of my travels are are all for food yeah so I I try to get inspired by every place that I travel yeah that was my I went to Italy last May and I was like, I think my whole Instagram is just me showing like every meal I'm eating, but that's kind of what I'm doing here. So <laughs> it was I like anything wrong with that. It was you like know? all, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, I went to a museum today, but look at this carbonara. <laughs> <laughs> so what was like kid slash teenage May like? Oh, it was, I was a fuck off for sure. Really? skip school I was I did just I did really bad in school um and it wasn't because I didn't try I just didn't really care mm. um, I don't know I was just maybe it was just like ADD I just could yeah. never concentrate but you know sitting down listening to the teacher talk and lecture and taking notes that was not my forte like I just no still in a chair I always need to like be up and in, in doing something so like um actually in high school we had a culinary program that I did my senior year and I honestly had so much fun doing that that's cool kind of sparked something um but I excelled at that at that class because it was fun it was something that you were you had to like actually you had to do with your hands, you know, and right. we also had like shop class and like all those different types of activities or different classes too. And so, yeah, it was, it was, it was really dope. Yeah. That's cool. We didn't have, like my dad always talks that his grandmother was a home ec teacher and he always laughs. Like, I'll, like, I don't know how to sew a button back on. He's like, you didn't learn that in home ec. I'm like, we didn't have home ec. Like we didn't have, there's like no culinary programs in my school. Not even yeah. like a basic home ec. I mean, I think we had it in eighth grade, but I didn't learn how to sew a button on. 
it was weird it was like so the culinary program was actually like it was a it was like a mini culinary school but we actually had a restaurant in the school so like all the teachers would eat at the restaurant for lunch and oh my gosh so like every week we would switch roles so like there would be like you would be like a server one week and then you would be on this station one week and like so on and so forth so like that was like the program and we had uh three different high schools in our town and so a lot of the people who wanted to be in the program came to our high school to be in the program so that was pretty cool um and I don't know of any I don't know of any other schools that did that no I've never heard of that that's yeah pretty incredible I bet that did like even subconsciously like spark something yeah I mean it was just fun yeah doing it and like obviously when you go to school you don't really have fun right like you're just going to school and um yeah for me I just didn't it didn't it didn't click do your parents or your family still have restaurants in Detroit my parents actually just sold their restaurant so they are officially retired cool yeah is that sad that it's gone or are you like it's good it's good for them it's good it's good for them I know my my parents were my mom was like just move back home you like take over the restaurant and I'm like I don't want to do that yeah back to Michigan and I don't want to do that is your brother at all a chef or a cook or in in restaurants no my brother cannot cook he could probably make a pack of ramen but he cannot cook (laughs) to my knowledge I don't think he can make anything other than that so he was not gonna take over the restaurant no definitely not I mean actually I was like yeah maybe you can like rent it out to someone or something but he he was like no I don't want to deal with all of that yeah Oh my gosh. That's so funny. So who are you loving? Like if you had a friend come in town, where would you take them in LA? Like, who are you loving locally that you're just like, you got to go here. It's so hard. There's so many great places. Um, I actually have a friend who's coming into town in the next week or so. And, uh, I think we're going to go to angler. Have you been to angler? No, but you know, it was on my list. It's on my list. And I wanted to take Gerardo for, I think his birthday last year, but they weren't back open yet well they're back open so you gotta nice. go yeah have so you've angler, obviously been yeah well angler is one of my favorite restaurants um yeah and they're actually from san francisco so this is like their la location and cool. it's spectacular i love i love it there it's just the ambiance and everything is is amazing okay cool so definitely a place to go um i love courage bagels yes Birch bagels is great. Yeah, cool. Um, what else? What else is what else is great? I mean, there's so many different restaurants. Cato is amazing. Love. Yeah. Have you been back, have you been to the new space? No, I went to the old one. Oh yeah. You need to go to the new one. It's- but the new one looks great. I saw the new one. I was having lunch down there and I saw the new one and was like really excited that they had such a cool new space. Yeah. But I also loved like their last space too because it was just so I love places like that in LA that are just like oh it's in a random little strip of you know that's LA for you like a yeah restaurant. like that's that's literally the epitome of an LA restaurant yeah I remember taking my mom somewhere we first I, I was first living here and she came to visit and she was like um where are we going it was like next to a Domino's and a pet store and I was like just trust me okay 
And she loved, I mean, she talks about that all the time still. It was like a Katsuya back in the day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. The one that was like over back where I used to live in the Valley. Um, Go to that one. You what? That's the OG location, right? Yeah. 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 That's, that's the one I always used to go to way back. Yeah. I loved it, but I, and I think I loved it for that reason. Like we didn't have places like that growing up and I just thought it was so cool. I'm like, yeah, there's a Domino's and like an adopt a pet shop shop and like this awesome sushi <laughs> place right next to it. <laughs> Only in LA. Only in LA. And I think like with Cato's original location, I thought was, it kind of like remind, reminded me of that, but Antico Nuovo, have you been there? Oh my God. I haven't been back in a really long time. I need, we need to go. Oh my God. It's so good, but it's that same vibe too. But that strawberry gelato, gelato, like, well, Harry's berries. Hello. I mean, okay. We're very spoiled living in Southern California we I have know. produce in the country, if not the world. Um, yeah. I mean, Harry's berries, that gelato. I was like, why am I loving this gelato so much? Like it's just gelato, but I was just blown away. Harry's berries. Is it what? Do you know how much I love Harry's berries? Oh, I have Harry's berries, strawberry jelly in my. <gasps> no, this is a Harry's berry. You have a Harry's berry tattoo. Yes. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my, it's beautiful. I've never even seen that. It's my baby. Oh my gosh. Do you have any other produce tats? Produce tats? No. Well, I have a flower. I have a chrysanthemum flower on my um on my arm. But I just got I got this fish in Japan. Oh wow. It's uh it's an amadai tile fish. It's one of my favorite fishes. It's the cute beautiful. Fish. Um, so I really like that. And then I have like an, an octopus right here. Oh, he's cute. I know. I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're going to have to show Gerardo that fish. Like he's like, uh, he's like, I probably will never have a tattoo, but if I did, it'd be a tiny, which is funny, a tiny whale right there. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Well, when you go to Japan, you can go to my, to my girl. <gasps> oh my gosh. Maybe that's when he'll get one. Yes. How funny. She's amazing. She Shoot. Gets- I mean, if you have a tattoo is one of my quick fire five questions. And now we've just busted that right up. <laughs> You can cut it out. You can cut it out. You can- I'm like, and then I just need to put this at the very end. <laughs> I just always think it's interesting when people you've had, like, I feel like most people, or maybe I'm just like naive and wrong, but I feel like most people either are a private chef or a restaurant chef or a caterer or this, like one or the other. And I feel like you do so much. You're a competition chef. You have restaurants, you or a private chef for Oprah sometimes is it sometimes is it all like what is, what's your deal with Oprah sometimes sometimes yeah yeah um, like how did you get involved in that um so that actually is really funny um I've actually been doing it for the last 10 years um actually oh, no, I didn't know that nine years nine years um my my old chef was her private chef and whenever she would have um large parties and stuff like that he would call me to help and then that's kind of how that started. Cool. That's pretty much it. And uh, whenever she needs someone, I'm her person. That's so fun. Yeah. Um. It's 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 really awesome. She's she's an amazing person and uh, really awesome to cook for. Um, yeah. 
time to try something new and I love that and then you can't really you know that's that's like the perfect client right there I was gonna say yeah is she adventurous or is it like you're going in there and like baking her chicken every day no no no. you're you're making some you can make something new every day oh that's cool I like that how fun it's cool (laughs) <laughs> Love that. Um, okay. So I end every podcast with my quick fire five. Okay. <laughs> so you have to just say what comes to mind, May. <laughs> I'll try my best. Don't mess it up. <laughs> <Get it>. Okay. <laughs> what is your last meal before you die? My last meal before I die is Hainan chicken rice. What is it? Hainan chicken rice. So it's a poached, it's poached chicken with um, like a chicken fat rice. So it's like the chicken fat, like schmaltzy rice. Yum. And it's always accompanied with some sort of dipping sauce for the chicken. Um, So I would have to have a um, ginger scallion sauce as well as like a, um, like a chili sauce along with that and that's pretty much it like that and probably some sushi and oh my god there's so much there's so much food I want to eat before I die yeah but that sounds delicious yeah okay it's always it's always rice based I love rice oh yeah favorite city to eat your way through I think I know the answer to this one now Tokyo (laughs) Tokyo or anywhere in Japan rather yeah Yeah. um if you weren't a chef what would I be yeah I would probably be a esthetician esthetician cool did I say that correctly yeah you did you just love skincare I do (laughs) that's probably why you look like you're 11 years old I was, I was aiming for 10. (laughs) You're like, wait, why did you age me? (laughs) Yeah. You have great skin. Thank you. Um, I don't know. I was just really, I've always been interested in it. Um, anything cosmetology, I guess. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, favorite cocktail, wine, drink, beverage, alcoholic, non-alcoholic. Um, I really enjoy a Pimm's cup. Interesting. I feel like that, that drink is like not ordered enough. Yeah. And then, you know, my number five question is always, do you have tattoos? So obviously your answer is yes. How many tattoos do you have? Um, how many do I have? I think I have around 20. Are you still going? Yeah. Depends on what it is. Yeah. My, my, my pain threshold isn't that good anymore. So I know it was almost like getting this tattoo. I'm like, Oh my God, is this going to hurt? I don't remember. Cause it's been so long. How but old were you when you got your first one? My first one I got when I was 24, 24. Nice. Okay. And because we already knew that you had tattoos, I'm going to throw in a bonus question. What is your biggest restaurant pet peeve? Oh my God. My biggest restaurant pet peeve is no shows. 
totally people who people who book at at multiple restaurants and then cancel last minute and then just basically fuck over the restaurant you know i noticed like luckily um at least i know resi does this like if you book on resi and then you're like, oh, I'm also going to book here just in case. Like they yeah. they don't let you. They're like, okay, well, you're booked at this place now. So do you want to cancel it or do you want to keep this one? Well, yeah, depend- yeah, depending on the time. Because I think the the period is maybe two or three hours. Oh. So you can still book on that platform um, as long as it's – there's a, a certain amount of hours in between. Right. You do that. Um. Cause I've done that, but that's because like, we're going on like a crawl or something, but I haven't done that in years. So right. Right. Maybe that's changed, but as we're going on a crawl, I know. Oh my God. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Can we go on a crawl in LA? Oh my God. What? Well, I can do like a taco crawl. That's probably like much more manageable. Yes. Like it, honestly, I mean, everyone in my life knows like if we're going to dinner somewhere, like do not say Mexican if you're not craving Mexican because the second someone says Mexican in front of me I can't not go there like I can't not have it so are we having Mexican night when we when we uh, hang out next or what yeah will you do a Mexican night I will definitely do a Mexican although I will say Gerardo is like so mad he never had your shrimp toast like he talks about how he's like I'm so mad I never went to her restaurant like I'm so mad I never tried the shrimp toast I'm like, okay, well, we can get mad about it or we can just have it one day. So we oh. need to have your shrimp toast. So that's really funny because I actually make this shrimp tostada. <gasps> and I'll, I'll make that for, for Mexican night. Amazing. Yeah. I'm really into this. I'm really into this. So basically when we hang up, I'm going to call Lauren our dear mutual friend, Lauren, and I'm going to ask her to put this on the calendar. Yeah. She has to put it in the calendar. That's how she, she rolls. Yeah, totally. Um, oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for coming on. As you know, I'm a huge fan and I can't wait for us to have our Mexican night at Lauren's house. God, Thank you so much for having me on the pod. Yes. You're the newest friend of the pod and we're thrilled to have you. Thank you. It's an <laughs> honor. Welcome to the table five family. <laughs> Thanks, May. Bye. Okay, spoiler alert. We did end up going to our friend Lauren's house, and May did end up cooking her shrimp tostadas. And yes, it was everything I dreamed of and more. I mean, she is such an incredible chef. I wish everyone could live in LA and eat her food. (laughs) I will do a post of her shrimp tostadas because they were incredible. I hope you enjoyed my chat with May. You can follow her across socials at maylen 21 Thank you for listening to Table 5. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to rate and review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And you can keep up with Table 5 across social media at Table 5 Pod. Thanks, y'all.